0: If you don't know me, my name is George and I work for HTC, I do some of the comms around here. Um, and it is wonderful just to be listening to HTC Daily every day um, and just being so encouraged and just so reminded of how God uh, is just so Lord over everything. And um, Jago touched on this yesterday, but we've been going through Colossians and the second half of Colossians speaks about how Lord, how God is Lord over Everything in our lives, but we 're kind of going through through them one by one, so we looked at how he is Lord over our personal lives, how he is Lord over our relationships with other Christian believers, and yesterday Jago spoke on how God is Lord over our family and work lives um, and today we 're going to be carrying this on by looking at the theme of how God is Lord over our direct and indirect evangelization and just as we were kind of praying at the start there I mentioned this to Josh when I when I came on but my what i have prepared this morning is just far too long and i was just thinking you know, we just need to spend so much more time just surrendering and just giving everything to god like we can we can do so much and we can be wise and i'll touch on this but i was just so powerfully reminded just of how much how little we're in control and how how far incredibly god is supreme and just sovereign and just working all things for his good and um And yeah, I'm just going to cut my talk down by about 30 minutes so we can just spend much more time praying. Um, But I will just go through what I think is just so essential for us to hear from this passage and just kind of the the real gold and the treasure that I saw in this text. So I think from verses two to four, we see um, that it is so vital to have indirect evangelization, which is basically another fancy word for prayer. Uh, So we read in verses uh, 2 to 4 that we should be continually steadfast in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, and pray for us also, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account for which I am in prison, that I may make it clear as I ought to speak. And prayer is one of the key tactics when it comes to evangelization, As one author writes, it's the link between active soldiers and their command headquarters, It has unlimited firepower and air cover and strategic wisdom. Here's one way to picture what's going on here. We have Paul uh, and Timothy and another guy whose name I can't pronounce, uh, and another guy, Epaphras. And um, they are a unique team on the front line in the spiritual battle. And they're there to recapture the hearts of men for God and, and people for God. They've made a strike at the enemy lines and met a tremendous counterforce. Paul and this other guy are prisoners of war and it looks as though the enemy has a tactical victory in his pocket. But Paul manages to smuggle a letter out of the prison camp to some fellow soldiers stationed to the back. And those are the Colossians that we're reading about now. And in this letter, he asks them to get on their on their walkie talkies and call command headquarters and ask for them to send firepower to open and blast open the door in the prison wall and in the enemy's front line so that Paul and his, and his team can get on with their mission to release people from the power of Satan and bring them to God. So the point that we're most interested in here is this. The soldiers to the back have this walkie-talkie. They have prayer as well. And it's crucial for them to communicate with headquarters in order for the success of this mission. If they weren't, this text, this letter wouldn't be valid at all. And I'm going through this passage, I see at least three things that tell us how to pray um, and what to pray for. And these three things tell us what to pray in the context of frontline evangelism. So first of all, as we see in verse two, we should devote ourselves or uh, persistently pray. We should be praying for others as a, because it's a crucial tactic in, in spiritual warfare. And it has been given to us as a gift to be frequently used as we can, as frequently as we can. Number two is watchfully. Another word for watchfully is to be vigilant. And this is an active word, which um, Ben Rogers spoke about uh, on a Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago. Just being watchful, being vigilant, isn't a stationary thing. It's an active, um, moving process. We should be watchful. We should be looking out for other followers of Christ in our daily walks. And nothing else does the enemy want than us to be completely distracted so we, lift, we don't lift others up in prayer. We must commit this time and other times and our days to, to lifting up brothers and sisters on the front line of evangelism and our work in our families and friends, because God is the one who changes hearts. Number three, thankfully, Um, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Like I said just a minute ago, God is the one who's in control. And this makes me so, so thankful. The battle is the Lord's, the decisive engagements of Christ and Satan in the wilderness, in Gethsemane and on the cross and in the empty tomb have all been won by Christ. And he is leading his church in triumph to a great day of worldwide consummation. And so woven into our prayers of encouragement and thanksgiving, uh, oh, sorry, of encouragement and blessing is uh, words of praise and thanks. And one author puts it like this, when Paul says that our prayer, praying is to be done with thanksgiving, he means that we should keep our eyes on the victory of God. We do not fight as losers or even as those who are uncertain because we know God has won and will win. So uh, from the, from that place, of from those three things that we have to pray persistently to pray watchfully and thankfully. There are just three areas that I'd love us to, to pray into um, this morning uh, on top of what has already prepared. But we have three things. In verses three to four, Paul tells us about uh, what to pray uh, and our support for frontline evangelism. So number one is for those on the frontline of evangelism, such as missionaries. In verse three, it says, and pray for us also, um, and pray for us too. Paul and his friends were on the front line and encountered the possibility of death every single day. And likewise, we should be praying for those who are in similar situations today. We know many, I can, I'm sure that we can think of right now, and there may be others that are, um, we would like to share later, but we need to be praying for them every single day. Number two, for openings for gospel opportunities. This is a huge one and Jago spoke about it on the weekend. And just as we were saying at the beginning, it was just been Pentecost Sunday. And like on Pentecost Sunday, they had this amazing gospel opportunity and um, so many people came to know Christ. And just like that, we need to be praying for gospel opportunities to open in the world. The world I remember hearing a story of um, this man who it was in the Welsh Revival, I think it was in 1903 and he prayed for revival for every day for 13 years, and he rejoiced when it eventually happened. And similarly, we cannot give up for praying for these gospel opportunities. Sometimes it can be hundreds, sometimes it can be one person on the street. Yeah, and Paul is aware that there's a difference between regular, ordinary speaking about Christ. And there's also a difference with that and extraordinary opportunities for effective proclamation. We see this throughout scripture and what at the baseline is, this call for us to say, Lord, let your kingdom come as we prayed this weekend. But it isn't just a call for just when thy kingdom come comes around or Pentecost Sunday. It's pray for the every day. And then number three, for the mystery of Christ to be made plain or to be made clear. We should be praying for the whole mystery of Christ to be made clear when God opens a door. In verses uh, yeah, three to four. Again, it says, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. What is the mystery? The mystery of Christ is this, that the son of God would become man, that he should live a life of poverty and love, that he should die in the place of sinners and bear the curse of the law, that he should rise from the dead and reign in heaven today, that the ungodly should be justified by faith, that both Jew and Gentile every colour and denomination should be reconciled in one body to God, and that Christ should dwell in our hearts and seal us for glory. These things no one would have ever dreamed of, and to us, on a physical note, it is a mystery, but on a spiritual one, it is one of complete rejoicing. They are the mysteries hidden from the world's eyes, but in God they have been revealed and are being revealed through conversation, through evangelization through, yeah, I don't know, having your neighbour over for a cup of tea. These things are revealed in the most mysterious ways. And that is evangelism. And I pray that this is happening all over the world, in every situation, whoever we encounter, that we speak, uh, and I, I will get onto this just shortly, is that we speak to our non-Christian brothers and sisters as we do to our uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray this is happening all over the world. And because it's short on time and I'd love us to pray, there are just three things that I would just point out from the second half of the passage of how we conduct ourselves in direct involvement with people. And there's number one, there's wise behaviour that we conduct ourselves wisely towards outsiders because the world is watching the church and we must be wise of how we speak and how we act and how we live. And if you need sources of wisdom, We have scripture, prayer, and sound counsellors. Number two, salty speech. Let your speech always be gracious. Savour the beauty of Jesus and his word. And when you do, when you come to speak to others, it will just overflow from this place of savouring. Because without salt, it just tastes bitter. And individual attention, number three. The final answer to the question how to How to buy up every opportunity how to claim every opportunity if you want to go for that language for god is that a person should get individual attention Um, we see this in verse six so that we may know how to answer everyone the point is simple each person is different and each situation is different i love how one author summarizes it like this the gospel is the same and christ is the same and the mysteries are the same but there are so many ways to serve a meal We need wisdom how to serve and wisdom how to season it. So as we come to pray, let's be praying for those on the front line in every other country uh, and their evangelization of sharing the good news of Jesus, for opening up of gospel opportunities and the mystery to be made clear. And let's be buying up every opportunity for eternity with wise conduct, salty speech and attention, all from a place of savouring Jesus as Lord. George spoke from Colossians 4 verse 2 to 6 and our encouragement in prayer was to pray that the message of Christ will reach people um, and pray for those on the front line of evangelism, to pray for opportunities, openings for the gospel in our lives and in the lives of those who are around us who follow Jesus um, and pray that we will make the name of Jesus known and the mystery of Jesus made clear.